Hi, everybody. I'm Ann Louise Gittleman with the First Lady of Nutrition podcast, and I have a question for you today. Do you know what's in your drinking water? Well, Dr. Roy Spicer knows, and what he's discovered will convince you to start drinking cleaner water that's much more healthier for you in the long run. While practicing holistic health care in the New York City area, Dr. Roy Spicer became concerned of the increasing number of cancer-stricken patients coming into his practice. He was appointed co-chairman of a local environmental advisory committee and conducted thorough research to investigate the causes. He made a shocking discovery. Toxic chemicals and substances were being dumped into the groundwater, which eventually resulted in cancer clusters in local areas. From that point forward, he vowed to find better ways to protect people's health by improving their everyday drinking water. Dr. Roy Spicer is the water doctor expert, and today he is the vice president and co-founder of CWR Environmental Products, along with his partner and president, Dr. Diane Romeo. He is a level five water quality specialist with a background in microbiology and biochemistry. That's a mouthful. You're totally brilliant, Dr. Spicer. Welcome to First Lady of Nutrition podcast. It's great to be with you, Anne Louise. You're fantastic also. I've, I've been following you for years. Your books are f fantastic. You're world-renowned, and I'm happy to be with you today to uh, share some light on a very serious health problem. So the question is, is, is it a myth? Can you find clean water anywhere in this world? Uh, very unlikely. And uh, I published a paper last year in Green Med Info called The Myth of Clean Water. This has been my major focus for about 30 years. The biggest problem is that tap water, or the toxins in your tap water, are wrecking your health. And people don't realize this because the government says that your water meets standards. doesn't say it's safe. doesn't mean it's healthy. It meets certain standards, which allow toxins in your water at unhealthy levels. So even low-level toxins are harmful to your health. For example, back in the 1980s, the arsenic allowable concentration that the government allowed in water was 50 parts per billion. Today, it's 10 parts per billion. But really, arsenic is unsafe at any level. So when you're drinking water that has nine parts of arsenic, the government says it's allowable. It doesn't mean it's safe, doesn't mean it's healthy, and it accumulates in your body. A lot of heavy metals are bioaccumulative. So when you're drinking water for years and decades, it has allowable levels of heavy metals like arsenic or lead, mercury, other heavy metals. You're accumulating these toxic substances in your body, and ultimately it's going to damage your health and manifest in certain types of disorders. So my focus has been to educate people on the myth of clean water, what's in really in your water, and how to clean it up. So to answer your question, in the United States, no, I haven't found any clean water around the world, very unlikely unless you're in a very remote area. So the question is, we've got the heavy metals, we've got the parasites, which you didn't mention, which of course has been a focus of mine. You and I met because of the parasite connection, as I recall, some 30 That's years correct. ago. <laughs> and you were always fascinated. Right. Guess what that. came to dinner? Guess what you had your book out. Guess what came to dinner? Right. Well, guess, very well, excellent book. Well, I thank you for that, but it wasn't just what came to dinner, it's just what came to your tap water. So the point being is you've got a whole array of toxic overload in the water supply, and are there any new emerging contaminants that you can name, and what are their dangers? Well, when I first started looking at water quality issues back in the 1980s, we were dealing with chlorine and its byproducts, industrial chemicals, maybe lead and copper. Those were the common contaminants in water. 
Well, if you fast forward from that point, today you have thousands of contaminants in the water. As a matter of fact, the Environmental Working Group did a very comprehensive study reporting on the water contamination across the United States. And what they concluded is that there are over 260 toxic chemicals found in 50,000 water systems affecting over 250 million people. Let me repeat that. They found at least 267 toxic chemicals in 50,000 water systems affecting 250 million people. So it's very hard to imagine where you would find clean water in the United States. Plus, you have other toxic substances, one of them in particular, chromium-6, has been found in all 50 states' water supplies. Again, affects over 250 million water consumers. And the newer contaminants, now, I lived on Long Island, New York, if you can't tell by my accent, uh, for 30 <laughs> years. And I've been dealing with the water problems up there. That's how I started up on Long Island. And we were dealing with industrial waste sites. So Long Island has got a particular situation where all the water comes from underground aquifers. So over years and decades, we're talking about decades, there was farming, there was industrial uh, usage. All, the, all these industries dumped the chemicals in the ground, and they got down into the drinking water sources, and they're coming back up. So what was dumped in the ground 20, 30, 40 years ago is now showing up at an increasing level. So dioxin is one of the newer contaminants they found in the middle of Long Island. It's become a major problem. As a matter of fact, New York State is now going to be one of the first states in the country to set limits on it, you know, allowable concentration limits. They have over 80 wells contaminated, and they're going to have to spend a billion dollars to clean it up. So they're suing three chemical companies that produced the dioxane and uh, were responsible for dumping it in the ground. So that affects several million people. And dioxane is a very, very toxic substance. It's one of the most toxic chemicals on the planet. Now, not that that's scary, but there's even scarier things that are showing up now. There's a whole new group of chemicals called PFOS and PFOA. Let me explain that. These are chemicals that have been found in consumer products or used in consumer products. They're fluorinated organic chemicals, and they're a part of a larger group of chemicals called PFAS. PFAS are, not to get too technical, perfluoroalkyl substances. They're fluorinated compounds. And they were, they've been studied, they're used in making carpets, clothing, fabrics for furniture, paper packaging for food, very ubiquitous, even cookware. Uh, so Teflon, fire retardants, these are all substances that use these types of chemicals. And now they're showing up in the drinking water. They've been studied further, and they're probably the most toxic chemicals that the government has studied and science has found. They're even toxic at parts per trillion. There's no other chemical group that I've seen that toxic. So there's a kind of an emergency right now to try to get a handle on how to deal with these chemicals, how to get them out of our drinking water. But th this is going to be a massive problem. So it, I, I think of it like a parfait. There's layers and layers and layers of contaminants found in our water. There's chemicals, heavy metals, pesticides, herbicides, per parasites when you have surface water, bacteria, you can go list this goes on and on. Radioactivity naturally occurring and some not naturally occurring. You know, for example, like Fukushima, when that blew up, a lot of those uh, radioactive particles came over. They, they landed in lakes and streams that are source water uh, for our drinking water. So it, the list goes on. But it's all this industrialization where the companies don't care. They just want to dump it. They don't want to properly dispose of it. They've been doing this for, like I said, decades, agricultural dumping, pharmaceuticals. 
how many people take their pharmaceuticals and just dump them down the toilet? That was uh, something that showed up about eight years ago. They started studying pharmaceuticals in water. Well, a big study was done, and they found over 40 pharmaceuticals in most of the major water supplies in the United States. Now, think about that. We're talking about heart medication, antidepressants, steroids. I, I, once in a while, I'll see testosterone in the water. How's that work out for women that are pregnant with a female, with a baby? Mm, mm. So, you know, you got to think of the fetus now being exposed to all these toxic contaminants. And the mothers don't understand the, the sensitivity of the fetus to all these toxic substances. And what happens to the fetus? They're born with all kinds of health disorders. It's a contributory factor, many, many types of uh, neonatal problems. So, for example, perchlorate, that's a specific uh, fertilizer chemical that's been used for years, and it came up from South America. Well, if you have perchlorate in your water, which is fairly common, babies are born with underactive thyroids, very specific uh, problem, contaminant. So you don't want to be drinking water with all these contaminants, and especially if you're pregnant or if you have health conditions, well, what are you trying to do? You're trying to get well. You're trying to detoxify people that use natural remedies or they go to holistic doctors. You're trying to detoxify, get all the toxins out of your body, and you're reloading your body with more toxins. So how do you get well? You can't. You can't get well or stay well when you're drinking toxic water. Very, very concise. So what you've told us thus far is that there are emerging contaminants in our country including the dioxins, that there are pharmaceuticals in the water supply, which I have read and know for a fact that that may be connected to the rise of obesity, and the fluoride, as well as the copper in the water, may be connected to the rise in dementia. So the question is, um, do you perform... I know that when I consulted with you years ago, you were able to analyze the water in, in Idaho where I live, and you found not only some of these contaminants, but you also found uranium. Is that possible to do for other people that are listening to the podcast? Certainly. Well, here's the thing. Uh, I'm going to make an assumption. I'm assuming your listeners are very health conscious. They yes. want to get well or stay well, and yes. they're very into nutrition. So you got to look at water as an, uh, it's a nutritional, it's, a, it's an essential nutrient. And water is a, a vehicle, it's a solvent. It helps bring all these nutrients into your body, breaks them, helps break them down. All your enzymatic reactions in the body require an aqueous environment. So now you're delivering these contaminants into your body along with your nutritional substances, and that's not good. So in other words, uh, people ask me, well, if I want calcium, what, what's a good source of calcium? Well, there's a lot of food sources, but... I don't want to get my calcium from toxic water that has 50 contaminants in it. It's not a good source of calcium. Mm -hmm. So you have to get rid of all these toxic contaminants. But to do that properly, you have to identify what's in your water, what contaminants are reported. And this is where it gets very technical, and that's where you need an expert. And that's what I've been doing for 30 years. So my background in biochemistry, water specialization, and as a healthcare practitioner, I look at things a little bit differently than people or companies that just want to put some kind of filtration system in your house. What I do, I look at a water report like a blood test. And if it's a comprehensive water report, in other words, you, you can go online right now and punch in your town, your state, and say, let's say, for example, New York City, New York, water quality report. Just Google it. Your city, your state, water quality report. Now, if you're lucky, you'll get a PDF come up. And you open it up, and you can scroll down a few pages, and you'll see a, a chart. It's like a grid. So on the left-hand side, you'll see all the contaminants that were tested and reported. 
It'll tell you the levels that were detected, and it'll tell you what's called the MCL. That's at the top of the column. The MCL is the maximum concentration level. So, for example, if you look at chlorine or chloramine, whatever they're using to disinfect the water, they allow four parts per million. So you might have two parts, one part. You could go up to six parts. I've seen it spike up that high. So it shows that there's a level of chemical there, and you scroll down further, it'll tell you the chlorine byproducts, the disinfection byproducts. You can look at that. So it's irrelevant to you what is reported. What's relevant is how do you get it out and who's going to help you manage that to get a solution. Because a lot of people say, gee, I don't, I don't like the water. It doesn't taste good. I'm going to run down to a big box store, get a pour-through pitcher or some screw on the faucet filter, and they think that's going to solve your problem. That's just scratching the surface. It's inadequate. So you really first have to identify by looking at a report, uh, have a professional water quality specialist like myself to evaluate it, and then figure out what filtration technologies you need to remove those contaminants, that whole range of contaminants. It's not going to be just one simple filter. I can tell you that. Sometimes we use five, six, even eight different types of filter materials and technologies to get all these contaminants out. So if you have uranium, for example, mm-hmm. uranium produces radioactivity, produces radon. So I'm doing uh, two projects now, one up in New Hampshire where they had radon and arsenic, extremely high levels of arsenic. It was up to 120 parts per billion, which is 10 times, 12 times the MCL. Plus, they had uranium, so I had to do a special system for them. And you, you have to know how to sequence it. You have to know what the other things that need to be done to make sure it works. And then you have to test it. So it gets pretty technical in some cases. But starting at the basic level, let's say you live in an apartment, you know, and you don't have a lot of room. You can't put a system under the sink. You need at least a, a complex filter that you can attach to a faucet, or something like a pour-through pitcher that'll do the maximum reduction of contaminants that are in your water. So that's where you start from, basic core system, cover your showers the best you can with like a chlorine-reducing filter, and you start from there, core system. Then if you live in a house, you have more options, and you can put in a filtration tank on the point of entry. covers a lot of bases. You'll get the chemicals out of the water. Uh, You can put in special filter materials for arsenic, uranium, and you follow it up with a more sophisticated system under the sink, like a reverse osmosis or a multiple-stage filtration unit to clean up the water of the contaminants that the tank doesn't remove. So there's a lot of different ways you can clean your water, make it healthy and safe, but you have to have some guidance. You just can't run out and get an off-the-shelf system. That don't work. That's what a lot of people do. Yes. And they're looking for solutions and they're buying, you know, I, I hear it all the time and I see all these systems that are installed, you know, they're expensive, some of them, and they don't do the job because it, it's an overpriced off the shelf system and they slap it in thinking it'll take everything out and they don't review the report and they leave a lot of contaminants in the water. Well, that's, so that, that's really a, that's a that's a problem. I see a lot of things advertised on the internet and this, that, and the other. But you're talking about multi-barrier filtration, and that's really what the key is, because you've got to use different types of filtration to protect against all these different kinds of contaminants. So the question is, do you then custom design water filtration for the whole house? Because I imagine maybe you need something different for the bath, for the shower, and for the uh, tap water. Well, the first thing, uh, as a matter of fact, I was just speaking with a a client in Dallas. Dallas has pretty toxic water, and they're extremely health conscious, but they have a very sick child. 
and we put a system in uh, two tanks at the point of entry and two filters at the sink. And if you can compare it, I just compared it to the Dallas water. We got about 98% of all the contaminants out. Wow. It was a trace of uh, trace of nitrate left, which was very low, and a little bit of lithium, which is my, a minor problem. But when you look at Dallas water, you have pesticides, arsenic, uranium, radioactivity, all of that. So we did two sophisticated tests, cleaned it all up, 98 plus percent. Very happy. They were, as a matter of fact, this is very interesting because they've been drinking Mountain Valley bottled water. All right. Now, everybody oh. thinks Mountain Valley bottled water is one of the best in the industry. Yeah. Well, they sent me the water report, and I haven't looked at it well over 10 years. And guess what? There's traces of barium in the water, nickel in the water, fluoride, and oh traces of radioactivity. I, I was surprised. I was oh really surprised. Gosh. And they're spending, they're spending thousands of dollars a month. That's all they I drink. Know. That's all they use for rinsing and cooking. And I, I was very, very surprised. So the water with the filtration system we installed, the water was cleaner than the, the Mountain Valley bottled water. Interesting, interesting. So that leads me to another question. Are there any, because people are going to ask, are there any bottled waters that you can recommend? Any brand names? Well, I used to recommend Mountain Valley bottled water, but I'm not going to do that <laughs> oh, anymore. Um, well, here's the thing. You know, it, the National Resource Defense Council and other organizations have tested bottled water. NRDC did a very comprehensive study years ago, and they tested, I think, close to 100 bottled waters in independent laboratories. So the, the bottom line was about 60% of the bottled waters out there had contaminants. In many cases, more contaminants than your tap water, because they're basically taking tap water and filtering it to varying degrees. 40% were pretty clean. So to get clean bottled water, first, you, you can't use anything with plastic, soft plastic bottles. That's a no-no. As you know, uh, plastics, bisphenol A, phthalates, very toxic. The carcinogens, uh, one of your favorite terms is obesogens. Yes. So they affect their hormone disruptors, and they affect the thyroid and other endocrine glands in the body. So the... Uh, Plastics, anything in a plastic bottle, you don't want to be drinking. Um, the, even the newer bottles, the PET-1 bottles, they're better, but they're still studying them, and there may be some traces of chemicals coming out of them. They're not sure yet. I haven't seen any latest data, but in a glass bottle would be okay, but you want something that's NSF listed, NSF. NSF is an independent testing organization. They do test bottled waters. So if it has a blue label circle with NSF on it, it means it's met at least standards that make it a better quality bottle of water. And NSF, and I, don't, I can't tell you what brands are NSF, but that would be first first step if you're going to drink bottled water. But really, bottled water at home is not a good solution. If you got, you're going to travel and you're out, you know, even at a gym or somewhere, you can take filter water from your house, put it in a glass bottle, and take it with you. And there's some filter yeah. bottles out there also that you can use. Uh, so I, I'm not a big fan of bottled water unless you, you don't have any other options. So in your home, you really want to be looking for a sophisticated filtration system if you can install it, if you have the room for it. And then you can reduce your use of bottled water. It's also very expensive. Uh, when you start using bottled water, I, I think Mountain Valley is roughly about $3 a gallon. And what's your consumption use? Two, two gallons a day? Per person, roughly. So when you start adding it up, I, I've known people that spend two, three thousand dollars a year on bottled water. That's a lot of money. No, and it's, it's not necessarily better quality. 
yeah, I mean, that, that's very sad. Well, I have heard that when you shower with a chlorinated, with chlorinated water, it's worse than if you bathe or drink it. Can you shed some light on that? So if you can't do anything, how important is it to have a shower filter? Right. Well, the contaminants in the showers that are absorbed through your skin and you breathe in as a gas are mostly trihalomethanes. THMs are the byproducts of chlorinated or chloraminated water. Uh, let me explain that. So when the municipal treatment plant disinfects the water, they use several chemicals, mostly either chlorine, that's traditional, or the newer chemicals, chloramine, which is a combination of chlorine and ammonia. Now, as these chemicals leave the treatment plant, they go down the water mains, they combine with organic materials and form disinfection byproducts. There's two groups, two groups of these chemicals, trihalomethanes and haloacetic acids, HAAs. Within those two groups are hundreds of different chemical byproducts. When you turn on your tap or your shower at 100 degrees, a lot of these chemicals become volatile chemicals, so you breathe them in as a gas, and a lot of them absorb through your, your skin, like uh, bromochloro, uh, dichlorobromomethane, or chloroform. Chloroform is actually a, a common one. Chloroform is toxic. You can, it absorbs through your skin, you can breathe it in as a gas. So showering in unfiltered water is exposing you to about 20% or more of your total intake of chemicals not only drinking it, but absorbing it through your skin and when you shower or bathe. So the solution, the best solution is to get a filtration tank that removes all the chemicals. If you don't have that option, use a shower filter, but the shower filters really only take out chlorine and some of the byproducts. It's a, it's a limited solution. It's better than nothing, but that's what you have to do. You have to reduce the exposure at the point of entry and that coming into your house by using it, preferably a filtration tank or there are some cartridge filters that are rated for chloramine and chlorine and the VO, the byproducts, or shower filter. So you want to reduce your exposure, not only in your drinking water to these chemicals, but also in your showers and baths. And wow. that's, that's an issue because trihalomethanes have been, are known carcinogens. The uh, Environmental Protection Agency has studied them in animal models. And they're listed as Class B carcinogens. Trihalomethanes are listed as Class B carcinogens, meaning it increases the risk of certain types of cancers in animal studies. So like bowel uh, cancer, bladder cancer, those are increased risks from exposure to trihalomethanes over a period of years and decades. So it's so. Let, I want to go back to something else that you may mention of so that we don't overwhelm our very interested health listeners. And that is that it's almost imperative that you get a customized assessment of what you need for your particular locale because the water quality in Los Angeles, for example, may be very different than what it is in Chicago or New York or Houston. And your company will customize and give an assessment of what types of filtration are needed so that you get the multi-barrier protection. Am I correct in saying that? Absolutely correct. Now, do you, do you yeah, charge, the, uh, wait a minute, do you charge for that? Is that a, is there a charge for assessing that? No, we, we, uh, well, here's the thing. No, we don't. Uh, unless it's a big project where I have to get into uh, working with contractors, we're doing buildings or really large homes where we have to design systems, you know, if we yeah, get into but, very but sophisticated. A, but I mean, but an, no, initial typically no. an initial assessment so that my listeners could get in touch with you. How's the best way to get in touch with you, by the way? I just want to let them know. Well, 
two things. Uh, they can go to my website. There's a, a information form they can fill out, and we get these all day, every day. Um, they fill it out. So the website is www.cwr, that's Charlie Waterroy, C-W-R, Enviro, E-N-V-I-R-O.com. So it's C-W-R-E-N-V-I-R-O.com, C-W-R-Enviro.com. So on the bottom, we'll say an information form. They can fill it out, submit it, and either myself or one of my water quality specialists will contact them. Then we'll, we'll look at the water report and give them a basic uh, understanding of what's in the water and what uh, filtration options you have to remove the contaminants. That's a very simple, basic uh, starting point. But that, that gets you in the right direction, so at least you know what you need. First, identifying what's in your water, and second, what filtration equipment you need to remove it. So that, that's really the best way to approach it. And let me just say that if you put that ALG referred you, you'll give them special attention, won't you, Dr. Roy Spicer? Absolutely. For you, Ann Louise, I'd be happy to do that. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> we, so, we, uh, we go way back, and I, I think the point is you made me very aware of parasites, and you know that that brings. I, I just like to go back to that for a minute. Uh, in the United States, water supply, all the surface water has parasites, as you know, uh, mostly giardia and cryptosporidium. Now, you won't see it on water reports unless the city you live in has 50,000 or more population because it's not required oh. by the EPA. Oh, so, no wonder I'm not seeing it anymore. That's so phenomenally uninformed. Yeah, and this is critical. <laughs> yes. Now, when I first met you, I told you, we were focused on that because parasites can be very deadly to people who have weakened immune systems. Yes, indeed. And this is published information. Uh, the EPA even recommends that, and if you look at every water report in the United States, it'll say right in there that you may have parasites in the water, so if you have a weakened immune system, you need to address that. And the way to address it is to use uh, a microbiological filter, preferably a ceramic filter. So we've been using ceramic filters since the beginning, and the newer filters are manufactured in the United States. They will remove parasites virtually 100%. And that's usually, we use that in all our sink filtration units, because parasites are very common, and anyone has a, a weakened immune system, they're on cancer therapy, or high-risk groups, elderly babies, you must get those parasites out of the water. And this is very important to understand that chlorine does not kill parasites. Yes, it doesn't kill parasites. Only right. they don't know that. It'll kill bacteria and most viruses, but it doesn't kill parasites. Right. So the water can be heavily chlorinated, and they, in some cases, they have to chlorinate the water so high, it will kill you before it'll kill a parasite. So the only thing that removes them is microfiltration, a filter that has less than a one micron pore size, or filtration, filtration efficiency. And we use those in all our filters. We have a ceramic first. That's number one, because parasites can be, again, deadly to a lot of different high-risk groups. So th that's just a starting point. And from there, we, we want to get rid of the lead, which is ubiquitous. Copper, like you said, is very ubiquitous in the water supplies, heavy metals. And then we get into the more sophisticated filters that will take out pharmaceuticals. Uh, fluoride. Now, fluoride is a real biggie, big problem. Uh, it's still... We're still fluoridating the water in the United States, which is insane because it's a toxin. 
As a matter of fact, the Fluoride Action Network, I think, is now uh, either in the process of suing the Environmental Protection Agency, because how can you regulate a contaminant that adding a contaminant that's toxic? That doesn't oh, make sense. No. And, you know, let me just tell you this, and with this, we'll start to wind up, because you have given us an enormous amount of information, a lot of food for thought. But I was uh, contacted by Dr. George Brewer from the University of Michigan, who feels that the use of copper water pipes starting in 1908 is directly associated with the increase of Alzheimer's. And so one of his recommendations for everybody is that they must, that they must purchase a water filter that, that blocks copper. Do your deers do that automatically? Yes, yeah, because the, the, the requirement basically is lead and lead and copper are pretty much the same in terms of removing them. So all the filters we use remove lead and copper. And what about mercury? Yes, I agree. Do you see, do you see a lot of mercury in the water? Um, not often, and once in a while we'll see, more commonly is barium, lead, copper. Those are in almost all water supplies. Uh, once in a while we'll see cyanide, not frequently. Uh, arsenic, that's a big problem. You know, it requires a special filter. Uh, nickel fairly common. Uh, I've seen mercury very infrequently, very infrequently, but it, it may exist. Uh, a few other heavy metals that, you know, once in a while are there, but the main ones are the lead, copper, barium. Those are the three big ones, then nickel, and I'd say uh, arsenic. Arsenic is a real big problem because um, they allow it up to 10 parts per million, so, or billion, excuse me, 10 parts per billion, and people are drinking water with arsenic, and that'll contribute to all kinds of cancers. You know, you want zero arsenic in your water. So that's one of our goals. We want to remove all the contaminants to the lowest level possible below detection. That's our objective. So there, there's a lot of new trends out there, and I just want you to touch on these as we close out. One of them is the alkaline water. Everybody's talking about their alkaline water systems, and the other is structured water. Can you discuss those? All right, quickly. Um, Alkaline is a pH dependent on minerals in the water. That's the natural way to get your water alkaline. So most water that is in the United States is not soft water. So if soft water has less minerals, hard water has more minerals. So your natural mineralization of water is what you want. You don't want to remove it if you don't have to. But in some cases, we have to remove minerals because we're using a reverse osmosis membrane that removes heavy metals and minerals at the same time. But your body wants to maintain a certain pH, and the body uses natural minerals, you know, whether it's from food sources, juicing, green leafy vegetables, in some cases water, to maintain a certain pH. But alkalinity of water produced by a machine is not adding minerals. It's splitting the water in half using an electrolysis plate, creating an H+, and an OH negative free radical. It's not natural. So my opinion of them is that people seem to do a little better with these units because they're hydrating more, it's hydration. But in the long term, I don't think drinking OH free radical water is necessarily healthy for you. And I haven't seen any real long-term clinical studies that have proven that. Uh, there's a lot of machines out there that are very expensive. I could, you know, some of them you could put a whole house filtration system in for the course of one of these machines. So I think the money would be better, your money would be better well spent on cleaning out all the toxins out of your water, drinking clean, safe water with natural mineralization. That, that's and the first thing. Structured water. Now on to structured water. 
Yeah, I, I've looked at these devices for years, the Vortex ball, uh, all these structured water. Again, I haven't seen any hard science that shows there of any benefit. However, uh, there's a new thing out there called the fourth state of water, Dr. Pollock. Right. Right, I think that's really interesting. He's talking, yeah, he's talking about the cytoplasm, and and the way I see it is the structure of the cytoplasm. In other words, if you're, if you're putting a lot of heavy metals into your body, you're you're changing the polarity of water. So the natural molecule of water in its natural state can be changed by charged particles that you're ingesting. So if you clean your water up and you can structure it so that the cytoplasm is healthy, a healthy environment for your DNA and re reproduction and all the energy functions of a cell, I think that's a good thing. And he's doing some serious research. I'm still open-minded about it, but a lot of these other devices that you spend thousands of dollars on, um, I don't really think they have much benefit. They're not cleaning the water up and not making it cleaner or safer. Interesting, interesting. So what is the future? What do you see the future of clean water? Well, first of all, you have a lot of multinational, multinational companies buying up municipal water systems in the United States, like uh, United Water. Um, there's a couple other companies like Nestle. They're buying up a lot of water systems. We're, we're short of clean water. Water's going to get more contaminated over time. This will become a premium. You're going to pay a lot of money for it because these big companies are coming in. They don't really clean the water up much. So you really need to focus on having clean water in your home. It's a necessity. It's not an option. So to stay healthy, to recover your health, to detox and, may, and get normal nutritional value out of water, you have to have clean, safe water. You have to put a filtration system in because new emerging contaminants are going to come out. And the way we design systems, we allow for adding on extra filters if you need it or upgrading as new contaminants emerge. So we're right on top of it. And you know, a lot of the people that we deal with appreciate that because we know what we're doing. And a lot of companies out there, they just sell a lot of equipment. Uh, it helps a little bit, but it doesn't get to the end end stage where you really got to clean it up 99%. So you got to be aware of this. Start with some kind of system, at least clean the water as best you can within a budget that you can afford, and then drink that water rather than going out and buying bottled water or using all these gimmick devices that really don't help you. Okay. Well said, Dr. Spicer, well said. So to get in touch with Dr. Spicer, his website, once again, ladies and gentlemen, is cwrenviro.com. That's cwrenviro.com. And I just want to take this opportunity, Dr. Spicer, to thank you for inspiring all of us to protect ourselves from emerging harmful contaminants in the water supply. And again, you can discover all the different ways that you can purify your drinking water by simply contacting Roy's company. So I want to bless you for the work you're doing, and I hope that you're healthy and happy for a very long future. Thank you so much, Anne Louise. It's a pleasure speaking with you, and uh, I hope everybody starts somewhere, at least take the first step, and um, certainly with all your good advice, they'll be a lot healthier. Well, I thank you so much. Talk to you soon. Be well.